many believe there is more? If you don't believe there's more, then you got a boring God. Hey, you're listening to the There's More podcast. This episode is sponsored by Send Me Refuge. Send Me Refuge is a Christian mission organization currently based in Tapachula, Mexico. They reach far beyond simply telling others about Christ. We are all called to serve the nations for Jesus, and that's exactly what Send Me Refuge does. They show the light by equipping others, serving, and by just showing the love of Jesus to all people. There are many different ways to serve with Send Me Refuge, including digging water wells, construction, medical missions, shoe ministry, sewing ministry, food ministry. You name it, they got a way to serve. They also host a vacation Bible school for families in that area. So for more information, if you want to partner with them, if you want to go on a mission trip, if you just want to give some money, go to SendMeRefuge.com. Read about their story in the About Us section on their website and how it all got started. I promise you it's an incredible story that needs to be shared it needs to be heard. Go to sendmerefuge.com. You can't delegate the role of prayer. You can't delegate what God has placed. God's not trying to think through ways that you can get out of this. God's saying, would you please follow me into it? That I've given you authority. I'm going to give you awareness. I'm going to give you words. I'm going to give you thoughts. I'm going to give you intercession. I'm going to let you be a part of something that you won't necessarily get celebrated on earth about, but all heaven will know. All right. So uh, welcome, everybody, to There's More Podcast. We have a very special guest with us today, somebody who I, when we first started this podcast last year, you were one of the first people I thought of as a guest because... We've experienced some cool uh, God stories together, and uh, obviously you have an incredible testimony too. Um, but we have with us, all the way from Arkansas, mm-hmm. Mr. Kyle Reno. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I like the golf clap. Yeah, we don't I am that. honored, honored to be on here. I love you, Nick, Scoot. Man, I appreciate y'all's heart and what God's done in y'all's lives, and I'm really privileged that we got to be a part of that. It, it, is, of it. it is good to hear your voice. That's, yeah, that's, that's all I want to say. I haven't lost the accent, have I? No, no absolutely no. not. Yeah, I think I just got stronger. You still <laughs> sound like you're from Bama, so I like that's that. That's what I'm saying. Um, well, they think I'm from the country up here in Arkansas. <laughs> Do they really? I know. that they, They're a little sophisticated. No, they're not. I Are you serious? Arkansas I thought Arkansas country, and Alabama's like, the same. Duck hunting. And- yeah, there's a lot. Of, no, it's, it's a different form of redneck. It's a different form. Still got the same. I can see that. Yeah. I'll no. say this. Arkansas is a beautiful state. It is um, gorgeous. Drove up there. I don't know. I think me and Andy came up there one time yeah. uh, for maybe like a college service that you were doing maybe or something like mm-hmm. that. And what the part of Arkansas we drove through, it was it was gorgeous, man. Absolutely yeah, gorgeous. So how long the have natural, you been up? The natural state, baby. That's what it is. That's exactly yeah. what it's called. How long have you been up in Arkansas now? Well, I've been, you know, we came here when, when the Lord led us away from Gardendale. I came here for two and a half years, which was like 14 years ago, and was the college and missions pastor. And we were talking about church planning then, uh, but I, the Lord knew better now. I was not ready to pastor or nor plant a church. And so in God's grace and sovereignty and through a fast, uh, the Lord uh, led us to Crossgates in Brandon, Mississippi, where I got to serve with David Jett for five plus years and learn how to lead and shepherd and the best probably the best building block five years of ministry I ever had or will have and will live from for years and years. But we came back here and at the end of that season, 
we started praying for what was next and what God had for us. And we were getting some opportunities to pray about pastor positions in other churches, but just never felt the Lord in any of them. And we were praying and praying about adopting. Uh, we were in the process of, of trying to adopt and the, the Lord formed our first family and our birth mom's uh, our first son and our birth mom's womb. And while we were in East Lansing, Michigan, adopting uh, Cooper, uh, Bill Elliff from the summit called who I'd served with and under that first round and said, Hey, listen, we still want to plant churches and you're, you're the guy we believe. So come plant a church in Arkansas. So we actually moved seven this month, seven years ago, back to central Arkansas to plant in the summit Conway. We planted six years ago last month. So that's awesome. And for those of y'all who are listening and you don't know who Kyle Reno is, Kyle is the guy who started the generation at Garden of First Baptist Church a long time ago. So all he, six of y'all. That's the, that's right. I I I told the story, Kyle. I think it was maybe our second episode. There was yeah. four of us. Four. It was four. It was me, you, and Orzine, and mm-hmm. Jason Jason Durant, who nice. was leading worship at the time. And mm-hmm. I, I think I think BJ BJ helped mm-hmm. lead worship too. Uh, yeah. Some, so. Sure. I, I guess yeah, it, it was a bad, it was a bad dude's Bible study. Yep. <laughs> you know, the, the first one. Well, hey, and, and uh, yeah. my Gina God's there. grace, it took off from there. Gina was there too. Gina is Gina Mayfield now. Um, yeah, that's right. But, but, but she was there too. So I guess there were six, maybe seven of us. We keep on going up on numbers, but there was a, there yeah. was definitely under 10. Yeah. Um, but, but Kyle was, was very instrumental and and shaping that ministry um, to to really to, for for what it became because when Andy took over it was Andy kind of had an easy job I'll say that when whenever he took over I'm not saying what he did was easy but he uh, Kyle laid the ground uh, the groundwork for the ministry and it was uh it, it was a cool thing to see so Kyle if you want to tell us about share your testimony with us as far as uh, like your salvation story um, sure you know what your life was like growing up a little bit and um, Mm-hmm. how you came to know Christ. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, for me personally, I, I grew up in Kimberly, Morris, Alabama area, and uh, churches there, youth groups, all those things. Uh, but my family never did church. Uh, I, I actually really appreciate that now, that they they were, they never faked it. They never faked faith. Um uh, my dad, uh, still to date, I've never sat in a worship gathering with my father uh, and believing I'm going to one day spend all of eternity with him and sure share the gospel a bunch of times with him. But we never did church. You know, so I went to two youth things in my whole middle and high school experience. And I did both of those for because I was chasing some girl to go to something and then left. And, and I thought that faith was a weak man's crutch. That's what I, I, I really did. I threw beer bottles into the parking lot of Gardendale First Baptist when I was a senior in high school. I remember that vividly because uh, I, I, I said out of my mouth to my shame and God laughed. Uh, First Baptist Church, you know, I said First Baptist Bank is what I said. Hmm. And driving by, of course, I didn't know nothing. You know, I thought that every I was very uh, lost and good at it. And so I, my dad and I had a uh, troubled relationship for a long time. And my senior year, he he's a hard work, good guy, hard worker, great provider, uh, charismatic in personality. Uh, but his, his work was his God. 
And my senior year, uh, he had another round of um, uh, immorality, uh, infidelity, and left. And uh, we, we, man, had some fisticuff moments, and our family sort of folded. And I was already spiraling, and athletics was the only thing I had in my life that brought some stability, football and baseball. And then the end of my senior year, I got hurt. Um, I was rounding first at a double in the gap, and pulled what I thought was my groin uh, and hobbled around and tried to play through it, uh, went in to have a surgery and got woke up out of surgery and said, Hey, that was not, was not what we thought it was. It was worse than that. And so I had a couple of different surgeries to long story short, to fix some things in my core to keep me, that kept me from trying to play baseball beyond high school. I was talking lost to the man was going so hard. I mean, this was a Bo Jackson move. Like, this was a Bo Jackson move. He was <laughs> yeah. so hard. He, I mean, just messed up his core. Yeah, come on. Going. That's hardcore, man. I would, that would be the only time in my life I've ever been compared to Bo Jackson. I assure you. <laughs> so, now, in, in God's sovereignty, you know, I had a baseball coach in Pat Keaty who my senior year had called on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ and – looked me and I and shared the gospel innumerable times with me. And my brother, my younger brother, Zach, was eighth grade when I was a senior and had come to faith in Christ and would knock on the door and walk in to his senior, uh, his older brother, senior, I was a senior then, and would be drunk and he would be sharing the gospel. Just let me tell you one thing. So we say, let me tell you one thing, Kyle. Let me tell you one thing. Let me tell you one thing. <laughs> and I'd run him out of there and mock him and woke up many nights with my brother's uh, hands laid on me and uh, praying over me. So oh, man, he was the eighth grade. When Zach came, when he came to Christ, he caught on fire and, and simultaneously. So that's my, bro- that's my younger brother. And then my, my hero in life, Pat Kitty, you know, comes to know, Christ, Coach Kitty, and so now I'm surrounded by Jesus, you know, and I don't know exactly what to do with that. So graduated, started, I'll shorten this a little bit. I graduated and uh, started student coaching because that's all I ever want to do is coach and was around Coach Kitty and was watching life transformation. And he, he's like 6'4", right, 6'5", yeah. and he drove a Ford Ranger truck, you know, yeah. like, so he filled up all that truck. And was so I ride that yeah, white, white one, baby, yeah. that white yeah. Ford Ranger truck. He's he's bowling out of it, and I'm sitting with him in it, and, <laughs> and and he's got me cornered up time after time, talking to me about the Lord. And he was, you know, we were close. He loved me, and I loved him. And I was living so bad, uh, poorly, that he was frank enough to say, "Man, you're gonna be dead before you know it." Mm-hmm. And and I looked like it, man. I got pictures I could show you. I was about two o four, all muscled up, my senior year, and by by later in my freshman year, I got down to about 160. Because if you drink liquor and don't eat right, and you will dwindle away, and I was dwindling. So all that to say, he kept inviting me into the presence of God. And fall of my freshman year, out of pure love for Him, I walked into Gardner First Baptist to 9:30 service and said, "Were you throwing and breaking the beer bottles in the parking lot?" <laughs> I've been breaking the beer bottles and sat with him on the fourth row on the right side and uh i watched a 80 something year old lady stick her hands up in the air singing awesome god mm. and and i th- thought to myself for the first time is he real mm. you know is he real and 
because she sure thinks he is, you know, and it just started. I started asking questions. Wait a second. Is there something else to this? And Steve Gaines, pastor, stood up and preached uh, the gospel. And I'd heard the gospel uh, before, but I had not heard it in power. So uh, it was very inescapable. Wow. Walked away and got into my truck and prayed the probably the first sincere prayer I'd ever prayed to God. If you're real and you let me get back here next week, I'll give my life to you. Just as simple as it was. And that's terrible theology. <laughs> I could have been born again in the truck, but I didn't know better. So, uh, so I lived the longest six days ever after that, and just contemplating the gospel and thinking about the work of Christ and my life. And I, I needed those days. I needed those days to wrestle through my own depravity and God's glory in Christ's gospel. And so I was the first guy. Uh, into the room at a nine thirty service. You used to have eight, nine thirty, and eleven. Yeah, I remember that. And mm-hmm. so I, I didn't rise early enough to make it to the eight, or didn't know mm-hmm. there was one. But the doors opened from the eight to be over, and I walked in and went up there to the front, sat down, and listened, worshipped, and heard the gospel. And Steve was coming off the stage. Remember how he used to start making his way to the middle? He'd come off and. He's coming off, and of course, I didn't know church well enough to know timing. So as he's coming off, I'm going up, and I I, I crumbled at the altar. I didn't go to anybody. Uh, I went to the Lord and laid down right there on my face and asked Jesus to save me and was born again. Uh, I don't know. It was not a pretty prayer, I'm quite sure. I didn't know enough <laughs> religious language <laughs> to put it together. But, boy, it was sincere. And Jesus saved. I got up, left that service, and walked out uh, the door. As it's, it's when Dixie right across the street, right? When, it was, when Dixie. Uh, it's changed a few times. It, it was yeah. Western. I think it was Western. Yeah, it's Western. That's what <laughs> it was. Okay. The old stop and rob, I think, it was what Pilgrim would call it. <laughs> So I remember I'd parked over there and I was walking across the street and I stuck my hands up in there. Mm. And I mean, I didn't know worship. I didn't know any of that, but I couldn't help it because for the first time in my life, I was free for the first time in my life, man. And I remember I was sobbing, boy, I was losing it. Of course, I probably was about 19 years do a good cry. So I was losing it and my hands stuck up in there and, uh, and people were going to church. And I remember, I remember I remember the faces of people going like, church is going to be good today. Yeah. <laughs> be good. That joker's walking across the street with his hands up. We're going to have church up in this mug. That's right. So I went home and my brother was going to a Church of God church in, in our little town. And we got home. I, he came in later. I got home. And when he walked in the door, he looked at me. And said, "You got saved today." Mm, holy cow! Yeah, and I said, "I did," and we embraced, and you know, it was a cool moment. He could see it; he could see it. Uh, oh man, he started coming to Gardendale, you know, not long after that with us, uh, which is some funny stories of that. So that was Sunday, and on that next Thursday, I started meeting with Coach Kitty and Andy Heiss on Thursday mornings at Shoney's. Four days later, 
uh, meeting Shoney's 6 a.m. at Shoney's bag. That's back in the day when you could smoke. That's right. You cut, the smoke, cut, the, cut the smoke going into Shoney's, <laughs> eat the breakfast bar. So I was learning about Jesus and moving toward him quickly in that environment and, and a lot of the cigarette smoke and the calorie intake. So, and uh, for the next two years, we did that and I exploded uh, in my faith. And it, it was, I'm, I'm, I have a very blessed spiritual start. So yeah, what nice. what a great two mentors to to be around so quick in your faith. And one of the questions I would have you or ask you is during these moments of where your brothers coming in and, and talking to you or, or you know kind of giving the gospel and Pat Kitty giving the gospel gospel. Did you ever feel, man, there's got to be more to what what I'm doing because you evidently you were you wasn't satisfied with mm-hmm. drinking or whatever was going on. Mm-hmm. There had to be like. For you to ask, is this old? This older lady is—is is this this real to her? Because there's got to be something more. Did you ever have that thinking, man? There's got to be something more that you were miserable in what you were doing. Oh, without a doubt, you know, I think I had had tried to find, and man, my my whole demeanor. My brother laughs uh, now. My my brother's uh, wife was his girlfriend then. I mean, like, so it, it, even when he, as they started dating his kids. And so she will say often, uh, you know, that yeah, Kyle was the most hateful human I ever met, you know, and, and I, she's, she's speaking truthfully, mm-hmm. you know, and so I had, I had so hardened in life that uh, uh, any, I mean, coach would say that, you know, I had, I had, uh, and I wouldn't even say it was a, it was a false, it was, it was, it was my true self, my sinful mm-hmm. self, you That's know, good. and uh, in my obviously my dynamic I grew up in it fostered that and all those things. So I was uh, a mess. I was a mess. My inner world was a mess. My 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 moral compass was a mess. My whole and I was aware of that. Yeah. I was aware of that. I was like, man, I'm not really good at doing life. <laughs> like, and I hurt people. I was I. I uh, uh, physically, emotionally, I was just not a life-giving person whatsoever. I took life from people. I was a taker, and I had I had done that enough that I I had saw that man. There's something off in this world, and there's something way off in me. So there has to be something more, you know. And, yeah, for sure. I think something else you mentioned too during that story that that to me is is very cool to hear is that. Now, that moment when you gave your life to Christ, it, it wasn't a theological prayer by any means. And, and, and here's the deal is that some people get caught up in that. Some people get caught mm-hmm. up in saying, I don't know what to say. Or like, I, I, don't mm-hmm. have, I don't have any words. Like, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. Mm-hmm. And for you, it was more just surrender. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. at that point, it's like, I know I have to give my life to Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God, I, I know what I've done and I know what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I just want to encourage people that are listening. Like, it's not, you don't have to have some, some prayer that you had, that you wrote down. You know, some people will, will do that, but you don't have to have some theological prayer. Like it is just surrendering your life to Christ, like knowing what God did for you, knowing that God sent his son, things like that. So when you, when you experience that, it doesn't have to be some theological prayer. So I appreciate you sharing that because I thought that that, that speaks volumes to some people. Yeah. That was an outward expression of what was going on inside your heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, you never see Jesus put his on like this is always this is Andy Heiss ism right here. 
boy, you never see Jesus put his arm on anybody and say, repeat after me, because there's no just (laughs) what repeat after me prayer. It is an outward expression of what's going on in your heart. And you knew inside your heart Mm -hmm. what was going on. And and for there to be immediate change, for you to walk out, man, that that is the power of God. And that's what he does. Mm -hmm. He changes you immediately to where even the countenance on your face, your brother saw something was Mm -hmm. different. Man, mm-hmm. that that's really strong. Did you know yeah. you wanted to become a pastor then, or was this walking out <laughs> two years? I mean, yes, yeah, that's, that's that was the next question. Yeah, I, I, actually, sure. I, I wanted to ask you when when did you when did yeah. you feel the call to to ministry and, and yeah to yeah come on no I did not <laughs> I didn't think <laughs> no. so but yeah uh-uh. I walked I, I walked across the parking lot to Western Free I sure didn't think God would have me. <laughs> be a, a, a spokesman for the kingdom of God. Guys, I watch no, this. Yeah. He, he, yeah. And, and everybody else was like, watch this. So it, <laughs> I had lived uh, a very outwardly rebellious life. Mm. You know, so, uh, I mean, man, I, I grew up uh, in a small town, Mars, Alabama, you know, and everybody knew Reno's, you know, and Reno's had a uh, track record and it wasn't for the kingdom of God. You know, Zach was starting to pay that, but he was the first. Uh, so, so I think the nature of my uh, conversion, you know, and I think you just said really well, Nick, something to say. Jesus, his part is he reveals, like he reveals himself and he reveals our need. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, our uh, opportunities to respond, you know, like going out. So I don't, I don't think the Lord gives a rip how you respond, honestly. It's the statue do. You know, so right. I've, I've led people to Christ that didn't utter a word because they couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're like choppy crying, broke up, you know, and I'm like, like you want to give your life to them? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I got you, bro. I got you. <laughs> Just I think the Lord's recognizing what you're doing. So helping people to respond. So respond. So I I say that to say is once I went uh, in with the Lord, I was in, you know, yeah. and I, I want to keep responding to him. And I didn't do it perfectly. And I had mess up moments and I had breakthroughs that had to happen and freedom things that had to happen in my life. Uh, but I, I kept responding to the yeah. Lord. And, and as I did that, the Lord kept giving me opportunities, you know, like I kept finding, Hey, won't you speak at this FCA thing? You know, hey, won't you won't you share your testimony at this thing? You know, and I'd go do it anywhere at any point. And those started growing uh, opportunities did. And it moved from, hey, this is what Jesus did in saving me to, hey, this is what Jesus is is speaking to me. You know, like I, I said, hey, he showed me this in his word. So it started becoming sermon like. And I, I remember somebody <laughs> saying to me one time, and that was a powerful sermon. And I was like. I don't think that was a sermon. <laughs> They're like, no, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> you like, you had the Bible open and you was preaching. Yeah, I don't know if I want to let it be labeled that. That's I, think, right. I think you can really mess up one of them. I don't do that. <laughs> so around a couple years into their discipleship, discipling me and opportunities, um, I started sensing the Lord call me to preach. Hmm. I didn't know nothing. Man, I didn't know. I had no ministry idea, like dynamic. I had concept. Like yeah. I, I didn't know what a pastor did, you know, like I, I didn't, I couldn't imagine. All I did know is God was saying something to me around preaching and, and I just, man, I struggled guys. Like I struggled with the thought of being that guy uh, out there. I was 21, almost 22. 
I was finishing up my secondary education degree, you know, had a little bit left in that and, and then student teaching is going to do my gig. I thought I'd always do. And I kept getting opportunities and wrestling. And uh, my mom at that point was uh, soon to remarry. Awesome. Awesome guy. Uh, he loved the Lord. She was walking with the Lord, you know, at this point in her life. And it's, it's, it was good from that sense. And I remember I sat down and had a conversation with her one day. And I said, I think God might be calling me to preach. Uh, and she said, we, we better do whatever he wants you to do. You know, Mandela. and I remember uh, I found myself alone laying on a linoleum floor with my face on it and saying to the Lord, uh, it's, it's this simple. And it wasn't profound. I think, my, actually, I look back on it. Most of my best moments for God were not very profound prayers. <laughs> this might be a, I'm going to learn something from that. Uh, <laughs> I said, in a minute, I think that's what matters, a minute, is, hey, Lord, if you want me to do that, I'll do that. I'll do that. Just and I meant it guttural, like, and I was choppy crying, you know, thinking, man, I don't know, I screwed that up. Like, I ain't know that's a I, I, bad call, God. You know, like, if you mean that, like, but I meant in response to him. I walked upstairs and I had uh, two messages on my answer machine, baby. Do you remember the answer? Oh machine? my God! Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, two messages on the answer machine from t- two student ministries that were calling me, two different ones calling me, uh, wanting me to uh, interview for their student pastor position. And I'd never had a church reach out to me before at all. Like, wow. I, I'd, spoke at, I'd spoke at different things for them, for different things like share testimony. But I'd never, I'd never said to anybody, like, hey, I'm thinking about going into ministry or nothing. None of that at that point. So I walked upstairs, and that was the phone call, two, two messages from these churches saying, hey. And it was just the Lord saying, hey, I got you. I got yeah. you. I got you. I want you to do this. And so I picked up the phone, called Heiss, and told him, man, I'm thinking, Lord wants me to do this. Like, I don't know. He said, boy, I knew it. You know, I knew it. We all knew it. We see it. God's doing it. <laughs> Yeah. Don't take that job. We said, don't take that job. Don't take a job. Hold on. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. So <laughs> he, 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 I love his guts out. I guess I wouldn't be who I am without Heiss. And, uh, but long story short, he called, I didn't know that he was doing all this. He called David Jet and said, Hey, listen. Uh, and I'd known Jet because he'd helped me with some freedom stuff in my life, you know, and prayed with me and, he had prayed. This is funny. He didn't. He, we, we laugh about this now. I was out on a Sunday night in that whole season of surrender. This is 100% true, guys. I laid down at the altar at Gardendale on a Sunday night. And I was wrestling through this whole thing. You know, this is before that moment of final surrender. I just described to y'all. And I was laying up at the altar, which I did a lot. And, and I was laying up going, God, do you want me to do this? Like, are you saying this? And Jet came over. And just knelt down beside me, laid his arm over over me, and I'll never forget it. He just said, "Hey, Lord, I know you marked this guy, and I, and I know you got something for him to do. Help help him get to the place of surrender." Wow! And then it then got it got up and walked off. <laughs> I was like, "You done read my mail, bro? That like what? Like, yeah, like who who are you? Like, so <laughs> uh, it's just part of the part of the deal. So anyway, long long story short, uh, Gardendale. End up offering me a position 
for about ten dollars a year to be a, <laughs> a very part time uh, college ministry guy in a non college town. You know, <laughs> yeah. they hedged their bet, <laughs> hedged their bet on the deal. So good luck. Start. Yeah, good luck Go for it, buddy. Yeah, and then me and like Nick said earlier, me and him and like three or four other people started a ministry. Yeah, and and I, I had just graduated uh, graduated high school. And, um, at that point in my life is when I'm, I had, I had given my life to Christ when I was, I think 16 or 17, I literally was walked into a, a youth service with Jeff Phillips mm-hmm. and I got saved at vacation Bible school now. Okay. But, um, I remember being in that service and just like losing it. And I I walked outside to my car because I was like, I, like, I know what I have to do. I don't need anybody with me right now. I don't have to have a counselor and any of that. Like, I know what I need to do. And I gave my life to Christ in the car, in my 1995 Nissan Pathfinder. And uh, it, it, was, it was a cool moment. But, like, the next two years, like, I knew that, that I needed to go deeper with Christ. And it was, and there was something deeper that I needed to do. And so, like, I remember I'm like, Kyle, you know, you were, you know, discipling me and, and other guys too. But, like, that's when I got baptized because I realized, you know, at that point, I'm like, hey, like, baptism that's the first step to obedience with christ you know and, and it's been two years since i've been saved and so i really started growing deeper with christ too in, in my relationship and uh it was, it was that moment where i mean for me too that's where god kind of you know just set fire in my soul as well too because i was just like man this is this is amazing like this is not mm-hmm. just you know something that we should do because someone tells us to do it like god has like god gives us life and it's not just you know, for us to to be secure in heaven. That's not it. Like God gives us a, a life to live here on earth too, to live for him. And once you grab a hold of that, it's it's a passion that just to me it can't be it can't be put out, you know. Mm-hmm. And um that that's honestly in my life, that's what that's when I was sparked, man. Mm-hmm. Was, was that was that time period. And um but it, but it, but yeah so so Kyle became the college the college pastor then and um basically started growing the college ministry, you know one person at a time, one campus at a time. I know it was kind of, it was kind of, you know, kind of weird to say that, but like we were, I was, you know, riding with you places in Auburn and Alabama yeah. and you right. know, Birmingham Southern or UAB. And we mm-hmm. would, we would do services on the campus. And um, mm-hmm. it, it was, you know, it was, it was cool to see. And so basically in the summertime, that's when our numbers would go up because people would obviously be home mm-hmm. um, and be able to, to, to attend and stuff like that. But during that moment, uh, it was cool to see God, God do some do some amazing things. So uh, yeah. I, I was still think about those days all the time. And one story in particular, I don't know if, you know, people are going to, I still think we're, we might be crazy a little bit, but, you know, <laughs> we, we, we had drove down to Auburn to, to do a Bible study with, with college, college students. And yeah. somehow Kyle would always get me to, 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 he would always drag me along. I'm like, Kyle, you don't need me. Why, why do you need me? You know, he just mm-hmm. wants somebody to talk to. So, and I was always up for it. I didn't have anything else to do. So, but we were coming back from Auburn. No lie, I don't even know what road we're on. We're on some highway, I guess. And we see a we see a road sign that says Birmingham, you know, like seventy miles or sixty miles or something like that. And uh, like literally five minutes later, we see another road sign that said like Birmingham, like twenty miles. And we kind of me and Kyle both looked at each other and we're like what? There's no way we're only, you know, 10 or 15 minutes from Birmingham. Like we just left Auburn. Like we just saw a sign that said we were, you know, mm-hmm. and literally we made it back home from Auburn in record time. <laughs> we, we pulled up in the parking lot at the church 
And both of us just looked at each other and was like, what just happened? I don't know what happened. I have no idea. We talked about it afterwards. I'm like, I don't know if God was keeping us from something or if there was a bad accident or what it was. Um, but God definitely had our, had his hand on us for some reason that night. I don't know what it was. And call me crazy. Call both of us crazy. I don't, I don't care. But, you know, I know what happened that night. And it was uh, not, less the, not less the state of Alabama got the roadside wrong. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of. That or yeah. the time changed. You're like, what? Yeah, right. I'll tell you this. Uh, I mean, I remember it vividly, and and I, I I share it in in certain settings. This would be one I would do. Yeah, and, yeah, because people look at you like you. Oh yeah, like you're crazy. crazy. Yeah. yeah, but uh, the fact's the fact. You know, the Lord. I mean, you can call it whatever you want to call it. Teleported us, <laughs> and it wouldn't be the first time He's done that. That's so right. It happened in the Bible. Bible. Yeah, it happened in the Bible. I remember that not that moment. Well, first of all, the Lord had showed up. You know, in Auburn. Alabama. Oh yeah. Uh, in an apartment sure. that was packed out with college students. And we we walk out of the presence of the Lord and started driving and saw and, and we said we should get home at some some time. Yeah. And then like you said, a couple minutes later we look up and go, Now what? Like that, that sign must be wrong. We were perplexed as often people are in the Bible when they're like, Hey, what why was the way saying? What was that? Yeah. <laughs> and and then we're home, you know. And if you remember, bro, so Justin Arrington. I do remember and, this. Yep. Yeah. So Justin Arrington is caught. Nick and I are s- staring at each other like, what is going on? And Justin Arrington called to just thank us for coming, you know, doing all that, man. People's lives I and mean, people have been saved and stuff. And Justin goes, where are y'all at? And I said, we're, we're in Gardendale. He, and he starts laughing. He goes, well, no, you're not. And I said, well, and they, <laughs> we're in the parking lot of the church. No, no, I am. I promise I am. And he said, no, no, no. I said, bro, I'm just telling Nick's or we're sitting in the parking lot. You yes. know, he goes, that's not possible. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's, it's not it's not possible, but it's factual. Like we're yes. sitting in the parking lot. And he he thought I was really messing with him the whole time. And I'm like, Nick, he's like, who are I? And of course, Nick, I love Nick's would our passion level is escalated. He goes, Yeah, we are, I'm telling you. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. When I when uh, I get passion, my voice gets, starts getting high. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling higher you. And higher. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. And I think, you know, there's just moments. I, I say this a lot now. God's giving me some lenses to see. God is always doing supernatural stuff. Yeah, he's holding the cosmos in existence right now. You know, he uh, the re- that we are breathing is a super. I know that science would say, well, that's, you know, it's naturally. Yeah, it's natural because it started supernatural. Mm. You know, that God breathed life into humanity and sustains life. But every once in a while, he just flexes. Yeah, and he goes, "Hey, watch this. You know, I'm gonna show yeah, out. I'm gonna show out." And that was one of those moments. And you don't have to. You don't have. You obviously don't live for those, but yeah. you should. You should sure enjoy them. Oh, absolutely, time. absolutely. There's there's one other story too. I'm going to share during that time period, and then we can move on. Um, when we were feeding the homeless, mm-hmm. um, and this is this is just a phenomenal story. But but basically, we would go maybe maybe once a month or something like that, and we would we get some food. Some of the some of the girls in the college ministry would make some food. You know, we would go went. And, Particularly this night, we had KFC, and so you know we had a few few buckets of KFC chicken that we would just 
go down to Bar- downtown Birmingham and, and places where the homeless hook, you know, were hanging out and just give them food and talk to them and, and share the gospel. And we had been to two places and, um, we had already given out a lot of, a lot of the food, um, you know, sharing the gospel with them and stuff in our last place we get to, we're hanging out, you know, and we're, we're talking and, and even before we get out, we get off the bus, Kyle tells, tells us, Hey, we're not going to have enough chicken for everybody here. You know, like we're not going to have enough food. And so literally we, we get off, we get off the bus and we just start talking, handing out food and stuff. Kyle, I'll let you, I'll let you take the story from here. Yeah. 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 So this is one of my favorite God moments. Uh, well, I knew we had four pieces, you know, which is, is so funny, man. You know, God loves goofballs. You know, like we, <laughs> we, we had the worst plan to do homeless ministry ever. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. That we, that we, I mean, we, first of all, we're going down into the hood, man. And, and some young, white, inexperienced guys and, and, and ladies that yeah. we're taking down there. And yeah. we have no plan other than let's go love people, which is a good plan. You know, and, but we got no strategy beyond that. So, but we, so we think we girls can bake some brownies and we can get a bucket of chicken and surely we can take care of homelessness in Birmingham, you know? So that's for to tackle uh, this issue. <laughs> and you know, the Lord laughs, you, oh, know, you know, he does like, I love them. They are stupid, but we, we go down there, but they're willing. They're willing. Yeah. And you look at the Bible and that what ain't that the kind of people he uses. Yeah. Like so. We had twenty piece bucket of chicken or whatever it was, and there was four. We went to two places, like Nick said, and then we got that last place. Remember, when we pulled up; they had that bonfire on that yep. vacant parking lot. That's sure, yep, still remember. Yeah. And there, and, and there are more homeless folks than I mean, like you kicked over an ant bed. You know, just got just people there that destitute and desperate. And we had four pieces of chicken in that, and, and people people coming too as we pull up, and mm-hmm. we're starting to congregate with these people. More homeless people coming from it, mm-hmm. just all around. <laughs> so I told him, hey, listen, uh, I'm fearless leader, you know. Hey, listen, I give out what's left is chicken and uh and and you give them brownies and start sharing the gospel and stuff, and I'll I'll find the ne- the nearest church's chicken or KFC and go buy some more, you know, yeah. like that. I'll leave you here. Leave you here, <laughs> and, uh, and I'll go. <laughs> oh, it's so dumb! It's so dumb. So I start walking across the park in that that little vacant lot, handing out chicken. And uh, I can't. T- it, it ain't like we had. We prayed that night before we left, but we ain't prayed for any of this. Uh, I just felt moved by the Holy Spirit to do something specific: to hand out chicken and not look down in the bucket. And that's 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 just an impression on my spirit. Hand out chicken and not lay down the bucket. So I did, and I got the two pieces and three pieces. And in my logical mind, I know that this is the last piece. But in my spirit, uh, keep reaching. You know, so I hand out the fourth piece, and I put my hand back in the bucket, and there's the fifth piece, and then. I, move forward and reach my hand back in the bucket. There's a sixth and a seventh and an eighth. And it keeps on and on and on. And I keep walking across that lot and handing out chicken. And I'm just, it, it's, it's a moment, you know, and I'm not, 
uh, I'm not looking around. I'm just moving through this moment with the Lord. And I remember a guy said to me, uh, hey, my friend is by the fire and his his legs hurt. He can't get up. Will you save a piece for him? And in my logical mind, I said, well, they ain't, they ain't, no, they ain't no chicken in this bucket anyway. <laughs> and in, in faith, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll save one for him. So I kept moving across that lot, kept moving, kept handing out chicken. I don't know what we're at now, 20, 25, you know, you keep moving. And I get to the, to the fire and there's that guy sitting on something. Oh, his leg all swell up. And I look down in the bucket for the first time and there's one chicken breast left. And I hand it to him. Of course I'm sobbing and I turn around and I hadn't looked at Nick's and friends that are with us. And, uh, they have obviously recognized what has happened you know, in this moment. And we, uh, the, the, the homeless community there think we're crazy because yeah. we just watched a We just watched a miracle, you know, happen. Preach the gospel, you know, to them. Of course I'm losing it, you know, at this point, like, Hey, listen, y'all Jesus is real. Like you don't know how it really is. Like yeah. you, you eating his chicken. That ain't from KFC, baby. That's from the kingdom. Yeah, you know right. like, so preach the gospel. And then we, you remember next, we went back to the lighthouse. Yeah, we, we were, dude, when we loaded the bus to go back home, not one word was spoken on the way home because it was absolutely just a, a God moment of like, I don't have any words. Like, I'm trying to process everything. Like, we're, yeah. we're, everybody's trying to process it. And like, we can't fathom what just happened. And I remember mm-hmm. even, even think, and, and I remember Kyle coming to you towards the end of that, right before we, you know, right before you started preaching and sharing the gospel mm-hmm. with people, you looked at me with, with, uh, they call it crocodile tears. Mm-hmm. It was like, everybody just got a piece of chicken. Kingdom was, fried chicken. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kingdom fried chicken. That's right. He said, everybody just got a piece of chicken. I'm like, no, they didn't. <laughs> they got a piece of chicken. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's funny. In the, in the words of Kyle, I can say this because we don't have a boss. Yeah. Kyle didn't say it, but I'm going to say it for him. He looked yeah. down, Kyle looked down in the, in the bucket and he saw yeah. the biggest, most beautiful breast he's ever seen. <laughs> That's right. And it was, it was right. that chicken that it was able to give to that guy that was hurt. Yeah. And uh, honestly, dude, when we got back, just like you said, we went, yeah. we walked into the lighthouse yeah. and we just, we talked about what happened. And yeah. It was. Yeah, we worship. It, absolutely. It, it was phenomenal. It yeah. was a time where I will, I'll never forget it. Yeah. You hey, know, it's crazy. Go ahead. Okay. Kyle, did you, did you preach at one of the, the blast weekends? One yeah. Time? yeah. Okay. And, I didn't get a chance to, uh, so I'm very late arrival of getting to to know Kyle or even to meet Kyle. And uh, one of the first times I heard him preach, I was very new in my faith. And when you when you're new in your faith, you hang on to everything everyone says about Jesus. And then if if you're not careful, you can find yourself just like really falling into following a pastor. Mm-hmm. Well, that pastor's good. That pastor's good. Mm-hmm. And it was something you said on one of that bla- the last weekend. You said, never fall in love with a pastor mm-hmm. and his preachings. You fall in love with the Jesus of the pastor because mm-hmm. you can have everything any pastor has. Mm-hmm. Like he mm-hmm. has that for you. And that was something that helped me early in my faith of don't just because it's Andy Heiss or David mm-hmm. Jett or Reno mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Um, Steve Gaines. 
Mm. Don't just fall in love with their preachings and their teachings. Fall in love with the Jesus of these guys because Jesus has radically changed these guys and he has the same for you. So that was very big. And then my second favorite memory of you is the, and you'll remember this too, and probably the whole congregation will, especially um, mm. with, when you pulled out a bag of rocks. <laughs> that, that, was a, that was a heck of a sermon. One of the, mm. one of the most, uh, I guess, profound sermons in my life where you said, don't let the rocks cry. Don't let the rock. I mean, that's, that's fine. You, mm. Hey, you don't want, you don't want worship. God's good. He's got, and you drop, you pulled out this bag of rocks and I'm sure that <laughs> on a brand new stage, <laughs> <laughs> on a brand new hardware stage, you, know, you dropped it. You held it to the top and you dropped it and you could hear crickets. Yeah. And when that hit, I mean, the sound waves that came across. Yeah. It, oh my it, it God. It was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy yeah. Spirit. That was powerful yeah. because it yeah. still to this day, it, it means something. Yeah. And that was strong. Like you may have gotten in trouble for dropping rocks. And they were, <laughs> yeah. Mark, Mark Ramsey was not happy. He was losing his mind after it was over. It was, it was worth it. It was worth it. He was, he was pumped about it. You know what I remember about that, uh, Cooper? I'm glad you brought that up, man. The, I mean, the Lord had met with me so pr- profoundly that week. Uh, and y'all don't know this. I, I can say this now. I was uh, I was wrestling through calling to go to another church in mm. that sermon. Uh, the some opportunities have been out there, but the Lord had got me to, and He obviously didn't move me at that point. Later would, um, but He's giving me a place of pure worship, just worship. But I, that ain't about where I'm going, you know, position, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's about praise, like pure, unadulterated praise, and so. I remember though is is that that silence and then Dennis uh, hand in the balcony mm-hmm. standing up in one of those like gladiator like mm-hmm. Jesus yeah, yeah. and I'm talking about I was like he's coming the Lord is coming right now <laughs> he's about to he's about to rip the roof off of this place and step into the room and we got a lot of those. A lot of those moments, I think, is important to note. By the way, what you just said, and because of where, what the age that we live, the the culture of the it's almost a cultish following mm-hmm. of um, of of people. Men, that's men and women. You know, every you get you got every kind of opportunity availability out there to be that. You know, to be that. And the problem is, and it's not. I, I don't even blame the the pastors. You know for that you know I, I i think that you could you can be a great follower of, of and i say this because i love this guy you'd be a great follower of matt chandler you know and a terrible follower of christ that's good that you know good. like and and the problem is you don't you know matt but you don't know the jesus that matt knows mm-hmm. you know you're, like, getting, you're getting jesus from matt yeah <laughs> and i'll tell you the most i've had moments in my best moments are when it's just me and him, mm-hmm. you know, the moments that are most transforming. And I've, I've said moments where God's used people tremendously uh, in my life, but ultimately it's to get me to him, yeah. uh, not, not to get me to them, you know, That's and, good. inside of that. Kyle, tell us a little bit about, uh, as, as we move forward, you know, um, when, when you're up in Arkansas, Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about your ministry up there, and and I would love to hear some if you have any stories that that, that mm-hmm. you can hear as well that that God just <laughs> blew your mind, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, man. 
Uh, I, I, I'd say I do. Those are easy to articulate um, ministry-wise because of what the Lord's done. But what I'm sharing is, and I try to, do, I'm sharing the highlight reel. Yeah. You know, and and that's I, we need that. We need to hear those because it builds our faith. But there's years of journey in between those highlights. You know, like there's years. That's the you read the Bible. I think a lot of times we read the Bible and we get discouraged. You know, like man, they're watching God stuff happen all the time. Yeah, but that brother is like forty years between that last one and this one. So that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's, it simmered down a little bit. <laughs> you're you're gonna have to wait a minute. And 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 these are the things that we can only see. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I when we moved here, we came here with a very specific promise. Um, I, I think it's a ministry calling for me. Uh, honestly, Isaiah 58. I think that this, if God has a role for me to play in the kingdom of God, I think that this is it. Uh, and your ancient ruins will be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You'll be called a repairer of the breach or restorer of streets to dwell in. Mm. And uh, I feel like God's made me to be uh, a repairer, one that brings restoration and renewal on a city level on the church level and wants me to cooperate with his work in that so i didn't really planting didn't make a lot of sense to me uh like i, I thought in some ways I, at, at first i thought he's gonna send me into an existing church hmm. to see those things happen well what i didn't know is the lord was gonna combine those things uh and so we came here to plant we didn't know where at first in central arkansas the lord made that abundantly clear in conway and uh, for a lot of reasons, and there was, there was a lot of division and a lot of um, spiritual unhealth and things that happened here in city-wise. Great churches that I can't say enough about, but, but there are a lot of re- religious spirit and things like that. And so we came sort of looking for a place to start our gathering. We, we had, by God's grace, we had 60 people you know, that were ready to be a part of it. And, but we could not find a place to gather. Movie theaters wouldn't let us do it. Uh, school districts here are a, uh, a no way. Uh, they won't let you do it. You have a you have a little bit of it's a college town. Conway has three colleges, so you got a little bit of a liberal uh, influence. You know that tries to keep that church and state thing, church and state. And so there's just, I mean, there's a lot of hurdles. We, we, I could have sold real estate in Conway that first six months being here trying to find, cause I'd looked at everything you could possibly look at and the, and the, the population was booming. So anywhere you could rent, we couldn't afford. Yeah. So it was a bunch of no, 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 no. And then one time, one day, one of our ladies that was on our court team called and said, you need to call Mike Ford. Who is, he's a bivocational pastor of a little church called Cornerstone uh, Bible Church. He might let us use some space. So for sure, I'm calling. And uh, so I called him and invited him to go eat lunch with me at Marketplace. Uh, it's a great little place to eat here in town. Y'all come up, I'll take you there. Got some butter bread that ring out for you. And the Lord's already moving because that butter's moving. Yeah, oh, over the bread. We're, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're, we're come travel out there. <laughs> come on. Well, we're sitting there. Uh, and I looked at him and just had the boldness to ask. I felt like, hey, Mike, God's getting started. We think the Lord's doing something here. Would you let us use some space to start our worship gathering? And he said, absolutely. Mm. I said, okay. I said, okay. Uh, 
would you let us use some space on Sundays? Absolutely. Uh, okay. Would you let us use some space on Sunday morning? Like, yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Would you let us use it like around, I don't know, 11? He said, yeah, we'll move our service to uh, nine o'clock so y'all can start y'all service at 11. And I'm looking at him like, well, what is going on here? So I get to know this story. So they, they reorient their lives in this, in this church. And it was about 15, 20 people in this uh, little Cornerstone Bible church you know, that had been, that had been praying, walking around praying, most of them senior adults, but kingdom people, kingdom people, not, not uh, soured trying to hold on to it, but a church that had just aged over time, you know, and it, it had lost some, uh, avenues into the life of the next generation but they wanted to and so uh, mike warren one of their elders in a meeting we had later said he said i, I walk around um, this these facilities um, and i pray one prayer lord fill this house mm-hmm. and, he, and he said and i think y'all might be the answer to that prayer so we're praying for a house you know, to toward and they're praying, Lord, fill the house. And in heaven, those prayers collided. And so we started uh, our worship gathering, and it grew by God's grace. And by the we started at Easter, and by the end of the summer, we'd outgrown the space, and we needed to multiply the service. So I went back to Mike and I said, Hey, Mike, we really need to. No, no, I take it back. That's not true. He came to me and said, Man, y'all need to do another service. I said, Yeah, we do, but you know, I don't really know how we do that. He goes, we'll move back to the fellowship hall. Y'all started nine. And so do two. So this is their church, oh right? Their church. their church. So I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. We'll build y'all stage and stuff. You know, back, and we did, we, we did in their church. We built them a stage for their church to do it, a worship church in their fellowship hall. And, and bro, they were charging us like $500 a month. Oh my goodness. For, yeah. So, or crazy. So all that sex, we started in the, and we started in Easter. By fall, they let us start a second gathering. And at our one year anniversary, Mike and I stood in front of the church uh, and said, today, uh, Cornerstone Bible Church becomes a part of the summit. And they handed us the keys to about $2 million worth of building. Jeez. Oh my! <laughs> what? Yes, sir. So handed us the so. Obviously, that story uh, took off, you know, and uh, one generation to another, you know. And yeah. they they did, you know. Some some of them, some of them said, "Hey, we love what God's doing here. Uh, we're but we're going to go to a little more traditional church. Yeah. Nothing again." I, hey, get it. Yeah, but my my kids, my kids' grandparents here in in Arkansas uh, are Mike and Denise Warren, who were he was an elder from Cornerstone Bible Church. You know hmm. they and you want to talk about I can't don't get me started. So when we last Easter, you know, or when we're uh, over a thousand people, you know, and 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 people getting baptized and lives being changed. There's a lot of people in the room that are fired up. 
but Mike and Denise and Warren out there and just bawled. Because they were, because they were, they were. Now we've done we built a home and stuff here, but they sat on this property when it was fifteen. That's incredible. Yeah, so it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And then from that, that story is uh, spread, and we got a, the we started the Summit Church in Saline. My brother moves up here to start the Summit Church in Saline County, and he's in the process of building a core team. Uh, and we get a phone call from a pastor in uh, Bryant, Arkansas area where we were planting. He said, and he's he's not aware of, of what we're really doing yet. And he says, hey, I heard about what, y'all, what happened at Cornerstone. Would y'all be interesting in a, in a building in Bryant? Hell Church building. So, so we got... Uh, I think it's I think it's like six or seven acres of church building on a lake in Bryant, Arkansas. That's that's you know a couple million dollars worth of assets, debt free. That we yeah that that we started. Uh, so fast forward, I get a phone call last year from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. And Conway's grown by God's grace, and we have influence uh, regionally. So we had about 60 people just driving from a little small town called Bologna, about 5,000 folks that are driving in every week. Uh, and we've been talking about planning Bologna. So I get a call from Arkansas Baptist State Convention. And they said, hey, we were just given a church building in Bologna. Y'all want it? He said, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> So we start our fourth location this fall, uh, and the Lord's done that three times now. So I mean, I don't, I don't know if He's going to do it fifty, you know. But bring it on! He's done it three. So that's, that, that's, 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 that's yeah, that's incredible, Kyle. If, if you can, and uh, I, I don't know, I mean, I don't know if you're comfortable to share. I, I, I would yeah. think that you are, but if if you would. <sighs> I don't know if, if you want to make it public, you know, if you don't want to make it public, I can always go back and edit this out, but, um, yeah, can you talk a little bit about, I guess the miracle that's taking place sure. uh, with, with you and Katie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you need to get Katie on her one day. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we, we do just, and you don't have to go into, you no, know, no, no, no. I can't, can, <laughs> I can't share her yeah. part of this. I, I this is what I tell you. Um, I try to make it short and sweet and not sob like a baby. So we we are 13, 14 years of marriage, uh, 13, you know. We um we started desiring to have kids early on in our marriage and started moving that way and it wasn't working out, you know, like a lot of people experience. And uh we we finally Katie went and got some testing done and things and uh, it became aware that she had some pretty serious issues in the reproductive system put it that way and and had some procedures and things to try to help the chances and yada 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 um it just got worse and worse uh and worse and we got worse and worse news and so i remember sitting with a fertility person at one point um and they were trying to uh, of course, bedside manner and doctors are different. You know, some people are real good at it. Some of them are like, bro, you, 
you, you ever talked to people before? <laughs> and this was one of those, like, you ever talked to people? Right. And uh, he, he had laid it out real clear, like, hey, this ain't going to ever happen. You know, this ain't, this ain't going to happen, which is real devastating. Mm-hmm. And then Katie, uh, Katie had had, when we first desired to start having kids, she got a word from the Lord. And she came to me and said, uh, I think we're going to have kids, but I think it's going to take a while. And it was it was Abraham and Sarah's you know story, and she said yeah. I, I feel like it's going to be a, and me being spiritual leader in our home, so we need to go back and get another word, you know, like I that can't be the Lord. You need to pray harder. Yeah, you need to pray harder. No, that can't be it. Like she's on. So we uh, we walk through those years of infertility, and it's hard, uh, really, really hard. Which God has given my life an unbelievable ministry mm-hmm. in and through. And we had always wanted to adopt. We talked about before we were engaged, the desire to adopt and just being seeing God's work among the nations. And well, we'd been, we'd went global a bunch of times and thought we'd adopt internationally. And so in the middle of this guy was confirming like, no, this is, I'm going to form your family this way as well. And so we, we started the process with Bethany Christian services. Who's an amazing they're the oldest, longest-standing uh, Christian adopt, Christ-centered adoption agency in the nation. Wow. So we started that process. Uh, this is when we were in Brandon, Mississippi. We started that process with them, and uh, the Lord has spoke so clearly to us to not go global, but to, to we walk away from one informational meeting. And Katie and I looked and said, "No, it's local. God wants us to adopt locally." Uh, domestically, I should say. Yeah. So we fill out the whole paperwork, do all the stuff, and, you know, and, and Bethany's there incredible. We're like, hey, listen, you put an adoption book together. We're working with potential birth moms to make, you know, life decisions and many times, you know, to help them get ready to parent and all that. But sometimes they make an adopted decision and then we'll show them your profile book. And, you know, that might be years, you know, it might be months, whatever. Every story is different. So when we finish our home study and our book, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking long timeline, you know? And so I'm walking out of, uh, working out in Brandon Mississippi and I get a phone call and it pops up Bethany Christian services. It's going to save their number in there. And it's our caseworker saying, Hey, uh, you've been bit. And I'm like, what? I would pick. So I walk into the house and uh, Katie was doing a James study with some girls. She was sitting at the table and I opened the door and I went, Hey, we, we got to go up to Bethany. We've been picked. And, and she looks up big old tears fill her eyes. And she, she says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the father. Mm-hmm. And she was, she was writing. Like you gotta think now there's like years of infertility now, a lot of tears been shed. So long story short, um, we had been picked and we'd been picked in the most unlikely way you can be picked. Uh, our birth mom had went online and uh, had looked at every profile that Bethany had in the United States of America. And uh, she was from Michigan and she called Jackson, Mississippi and said, you have a uh, adopted potential adopted parents, Kyle and Katie, I'd like to know more information about them. And so they had been talking for two weeks and we didn't know it. Like I, as soon as our profile got loaded, she had found it. So anyway, we go to 
we go to Michigan several months later and walk through 20, like four days in Michigan going through that adoptive process, which is, it's a battle, you know, and bring our baby boy home to Mississippi to friends. And, 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 and what we learned in that is that, uh, the Lord will, will form his kids' families. You know, he'll do that. But it didn't replace the longing in Katie's heart to, to bear a child. That's natural. So we kept trying and searching and seeing if there's ways to help that. And we tried different fertility things at times, you know, wrestled through the control and trust and all that. And it was off or not you know, for years and years and years. Then we moved to to central Arkansas and still desire to have more kids. And man, like, Hey, let's, let's walk this adopter journey again and see if God's in it. And man, he was lit it up. We um, put our name out there again and thinking, Hey, I don't know what this will be. And a couple months in, we get a contact about a birth mom that's interested, you know, in us and, so many great, I got so many great funny stories. I can tell you, I don't tell all the time. So five years ago though, we adopted our second son, Abel. And at that point, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking we may adopt again and that'd be it, you know, kind of thing, you know, and, but Katie goes away, uh, and comes back a couple years ago now, uh, and about, I guess about three years ago, she comes back and says, the Lord uh, asked me to believe his promise. Hmm. I was like, okay. Uh, and I think that this thing's so personal to her. Katie could tell you things I couldn't tell you. This has been about her and the Lord's journey together and building her faith. And so she's, I mean, she's looking at me like, yeah, so you you need to be believing it. I'm like, oh, man, I mean, I, I believe. I'll sure do my part. But I'm just saying that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to guard her heart as well. Yeah. So, uh, May three years ago, uh, I come home and for the first time in our marriage, so that's 10 plus years of marriage, Katie meets me with a pregnancy test. That's positive. Yeah. And we lose our mind, you know, she's pregnant. The, the people are going crazy at the, when we go to the doctor and, the next day because she's pretty high risk because of certain things. And, and within a week she starts miscarrying mm. and, and, and uh, eventually miscarries. And that's as low as I've ever seen my, my wife, you know, and I was driving down Dave Ward drive one day. And I think it's probably one of the most helpless places for a man. Because yeah. I mean, like, I don't feel what she feel. I want what she desire what she wants, but in different ways. But I don't feel what she feels. And uh, I was driving down the road, and I remember going, "Lord, hey, just me and you. What's the deal? You know, like, what's that? I'd rather her have never been pregnant than the miscarry. Yeah. You know, like, so if we can just be honest about it. And the Lord is is as clear as he can or clear as I can hear said, Kyle, there's often pain before the promise. There's often pain. That's good. Uh, so that's all I heard. And I was like, Oh, okay. I don't know what all that means, but I'm going to trust you. There's often pain before the promise. That's not what you really want to hear in that moment. Yeah. Right. So here you go. Uh, 
So Katie, after she miscarries, they run some tests on Katie and find out that Katie's got a rare blood clot disorder, which we did not know about, uh, which in, in everyday life is not a big deal as a baby aspirin, you know? Yeah. In pregnancy, if they don't know that, it can kill you. Holy cow. So if, if, if Katie doesn't miscarry. It could have killed her. It could have killed her. Yeah. And so they find that out. She's got this rare blood clot disorder. So, hey, if you become pregnant again, we're going to know right away. So, okay. So, sure enough, a month later, Katie gets pregnant. And we know that. Actually, two months later. So, she gets pregnant again. And uh, we wig out. And then you get the anxiousness. They, they get her on some medication to keep her from clotting and all that kind of stuff. And then we go in to uh, for the first ultrasound, you know. And we're just, man, we'd had those ultrasounds when you miscarry. Yeah. You know, so you, you're hoping for life, you know, to see life. And we'd not seen that before, you know. So we go in and the ultrasound lady goes to our church. So I watch her face and I, I say, I, her first, I go, oh, we're in. You know, like I, I could tell that she's joyful in her demeanor. I'm watching her because I can't figure out anything on my screen. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm like, okay, we're good. And then I see that she's very puzzled, not like freaked out, puzzled. And then she goes, okay, are y'all, y'all ready? I said, yeah. She, and then she, she's going to pop it on the screen that we can really see. She goes, are you ready to see them? And I said, I said, I said, say what? And she pops on the screen, twins, <laughs> twins and twins. Yeah. And twins. And I mean, we were not on any kind of fertility stuff, anything. Wow. To, not not one, but two. You got two. Not ah, uh, not ah, uh, but two. dose. Dose. Mm. Dose. So anyway, uh, all that to say two boys that ends up being two Lincoln and Tucker. So I have Cooper, oldest, Abel which is A-B-L-E, after now to him who was able. Uh, and then Lincoln Tuck, Lincoln and Tucker. Those are, those are some two manly names. I'll just say that. Oh, Amen. I just, I, I, I love my boy. Coop, Abel, Lincoln, Tuck. I like come that. On, come on, bro. So anyway, and I mean, it was a miracle that Katie could ever become pregnant. Right. So I, it, it, I, the chance, that, and we didn't feel real good about, you know, like just pulling up stakes going, that's it for us. Yeah. You know, even though four is a lot of kids, you know, like, so, but hey, the Lord work a miracle and chances Katie are getting pregnant again. You know, what, what are those? So all that to say, and Nick says this last night, we revealed uh, that my wife is indeed pregnant with our fifth child, which is still, I mean, when we go in, I'm not kidding guys. When we go into our, uh, to her OBGYN, it's a praise line. Like when Katie became pregnant the first time, they the the her doctor went around and got the other doctors. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a bunch of believers. Come on, uh, and 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 they're all sitting around marveling, marveling because of what the Lord has done. So anyway, so yesterday we we knew we know we feel confident 
Lord's in control. We feel confident this is the grand finale uh, for our for her, our family. Uh, <laughs> I found out the full quiver is five. Uh, yeah, I'm and, also on Sego to Bio. I mean, so it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we we found we were not going to find out the gender uh, at the place we're going to do it with our family. You know, yeah. So Katie got it. The same lady that was with us in the miscarriage and with us when it was twins did the ultrasound without Katie being aware and put it in an envelope and brought it home. And we, uh, last night, she, uh, one of our neighbors read it and then gave us the correct, cause they, they, they're neutral. Confetti. The confetti. Yeah. She gave us the, it's neutral to us. We don't know, but inside is the revealing of the gender. And we, we did it last night and the confetti flew and it was pink. So we My have goodness. our fifth edition. Yeah, we have a rose among the thorns coming. So your your reaction to was priceless. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was everything that I wanted it to be. Yeah, yeah. selfishly, yes. it was absolutely everything. I'm I'm showing yeah, yeah. Cooper's watching it right now. So I'm yeah. it was everything I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you this too, though. When you texted us that that the first time that that Katie was pregnant. Yeah. And you're like, hey, we're having twins. I, I was sitting on the, this is another moment in my life. I'll never forget. It has nothing to do with me, but yeah. I was sitting upstairs on the couch watching TV. Jekyll was, was close by. Yeah. You send the text. I'm reading it. I didn't know to the extent of the troubles y'all had to, to get pregnant. I knew you had troubles. Okay. But yeah, I didn't know to right. the extent of, you know, no details or nothing like that. I just knew that you had told us the doctor said it was impossible. Right. And, uh, so I was, I was reading that text and I just went just like, I, I start crying. I, I literally have tears running down my face because of, of how much, you know, just that, that miracle itself. And I looked at Jack. I was like, hey, guess what? And she was like, what? I was like, Katie's pregnant. And she was like, like Kyle's Katie, Katie Rena. I was like, yeah, she's pregnant. And she was like, no. I was like, look at this. <laughs> and she starts crying. So yeah. both of us are sitting there on the couch crying just because of, of, of just the, the sheer miracle, you know, yeah. that, that, that has taken place. And, yeah. and, and once again, you know, you sent that last night to me and I was just like, yeah. this is, this is just phenomenal. Like God is so good. You yeah. know, and, and it, it was, it, we were crying because we were so happy for you guys, but also crying just because like God is good, man. Yeah. Like God is absolutely phenomenal. So yeah. I mean, that, that, that's a moment I'll, you know, it was like two mm-hmm. years ago, I guess. And it's a moment mm-hmm. I'm still stuck with me and I'll, I'll never forget it. So mm-hmm. because of the, the sheer enormity around it, it was, it was awesome. I um, think you, I think you got to, my, my encouragement, anybody's listening because you hear all this and go, you know, and we walk with a lot of people and this is what I know, man, you don't get me sobbing. Uh, I have never once uh, watched him fail. Mm-hmm. Not once. Now, and there's stories that are still to be written, but I've never watched him fail. Yeah. And I have watched him fulfill his promise innumerable times. I'm not going to take me out of it, take Katie and I, our story. I've watched him do it in the life of people in a supernatural way, you know, in a way that goes only God, only God. But, but a lot of times there's pain for the promise. You know, and, and in this world, you will have tri- tribulation. That's right. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Like God is working his redemptive purposes in this brokenness in a way that displays his glory and his power 
but you got to you got to be willing to to uh, stay the course they go the journey like i feel a lot of times that people pull up uh, before they see god show out you know and 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 god's not looking for you to figure it out god's not looking for you to eat but he is looking for us to follow mm-hmm. and if you'll keep following you'll keep believing ultimately he he will either give you what you need to get through what you're going through or or he will do what you could never do for yourself that's, that's, that's sort of his his part god's god is completely able to pull off his part of the deal i i, I was I wrote this down the other day i was thinking and god was when i was spending some time reading his word i, I got to thinking i'm like you know what sometimes our prayers don't feel don't feel powerful sometimes our our words we speak don't feel powerful. Sometimes the way we live our life, you know, for Christ doesn't feel powerful. But we must operate through faith because mm-hmm. when we operate through faith, it is powerful. Those times in prayer where just because we don't feel like it's powerful, but it's just because we don't feel like our worship is powerful, it is powerful because of what the Word of God tells us. And, um, you know, what you just said, just to persevere and to keep going. Yes, you, like we do need to persevere. Because sometimes our emotions will get the best of us and we'll yeah. become discouraged and we'll become those, you know, depressed and, and all those things. But you have to persevere because that's where our faith comes through. That's where we operate through our faith. And um, because sometimes emotions can kill it. You know, our emotions can absolutely kill it. It's, it our emotions are warring against perseverance and, and things sure. like that. And so, you know, just like you said, man, persevere, keep going because... Mm-hmm. That's where the power lies within is, is the faith and yeah. God's word. Yeah, you got to so. let faith, faith has to lead. Mm-hmm. Emotion, emotions have to follow. Like it, it's, the, it's the hardest thing to get that order right. Because yeah. naturally we're, even if you're not an emotionally demonstrative person, you know, like if you don't express those, I don't care who you are, you, you, your natural inclination, Inclination, you know, is to be driven by your emotional being. Yeah. On a soul level. On a soul level, I'm on, I'm on my mind, will, emotion. What am I feeling about this? This is what's going to drive me. And what God's trying to do is get us beyond that to a spirit level. That's it. If you get a spirit level, you let faith leads and emotion follow, you'll get to good places. Yeah. So it's just a real war. And we're living in it right now with the COVID stuff. You know, yeah, like, that's very yeah, true. Yeah, that's that's very true. I, I have let my past in my past, and I you know I still struggle with it today too, where I let you know the way I worship, you know my my emotions. I let how I feel you know impact the way I worship. Like it's not powerful. Like you know I'm not going to sing this song in church. I don't like this song. You know wh- whatever. Like it's not about that at all. Mm-hmm. It's it's not about it. Um, but I appreciate you sharing those words, Kyle. If there's one thing. We're going to wrap it up. If there's one thing that you can share with the people that are listening, maybe a challenge. I know that you some of the things you just said were, were, were really good and, and, and challenging in itself, but if there's one thing you can, you can leave us with and, and leave the people that are listening with, what's the challenge you can give to us? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, if I look back on, you know, I've been following the Lord now, 39, baby. Think about that next. You boys going on, I'm about to hit that 40 mark. So, I turned, 30, uh, I turned 35 a, a couple of weeks ago. So that's wild. It's wild. But uh, following the Lord since 19 and, and trying to follow hard after him. Uh, 
Uh, and there's one thing if in my spiritual life that I'm grateful for is the Lord has and is, uh, has in some level and is in new levels, uh, taught me how to pray and how to, and, and teaching me how to pray. Yeah. And, uh, and I think the, and, and that's driven through the word. I mean, that's just driven with others and all those things. But if I had one encouragement to use Luke 18, uh, man, the persistent widow, I got a word in my soul that I would preach all over the world of God. But so let me, uh, that the picture of the persistent widow who goes before the unrighteous judge and, she needs help against her adversary. She needs somebody to stand on her behalf, you know, which is what the picture of a widow is someone, uh, it, the, the Lord Jesus specifically displays uh, a widow several times in, in the new Testament, it's specific to like real widows, like a person who, who, who needs somebody to stand with her and sometimes somebody to stand for her. You know, that he gives the church that charge to care for widows but other times he uses the embodiment of a widow to help each person, not just widows, every person see their spiritual state. Meaning that like I, it, spiritually speaking, I'm a widow, you know, I'm, I'm a man, you know, that's married. But what, what, what I need is I need somebody that will stand with me and someone that will stand for me, you know, that I'm not self-sufficient. Uh, you, there is no such thing as spiritual heroes. You know, there, there is such thing as spiritual widows. Yeah. You know, like, like I need the Lord. And how do you get the Lord? Well, he paints this picture of unrighteous, uh, of an unrighteous judge finally relenting on behalf of this woman because she keeps on coming. She keeps on knocking. She keeps on asking. keeps on seeking. And finally, he says, even though I don't fear God nor man, I will do for this lady what needs to be done because she won't stop coming at coming after me. It won't stop coming to me. And then the and then Jesus turns it like it's the most beautiful parable. He turns it and he looks at him and, and, and basically says, So, how you gonna pray? Mm-hmm. You know, like so in light of in light of that, and then he makes a promise that to will he not give justice to his elect? Yes, he will, even speedily, he he says, that pray to me both day and night. So he charges followers across us to learn how to come before him with everything all the time to learn how to come before the Lord with everything. And I mean, specifically, if I was sitting over a cup of coffee with one of your listeners today, I'd say, Hey, what are you asking God to do? And I'm not asking generic. I'm asking specifically, what do you got written down on the prayer card that you ask him about all the time? What things are you bringing before the Lord? What, what family members, how are you praying for your kids? How you praying for your wife? How you praying for your job? How you praying for far from God people? Who? What far from God people are you praying for? How are you praying for the Lord? What are those things that grow from one card or one note to a bunch of them over time? Because you put them down, God has the ability to answer them. Yeah, God has the ability to do it. He ends that Luke eighteen with, "When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith?" And, and it's like it's like Jesus backs up from that parable. And he says, hey, guys, let me ask you a question. When the Son of Man, like being me, when I come, will I find faith on the earth? It's like, will you, what will your prayer life look like when Jesus is returning? I mean, like when the sky parts 
and he starts to come back. The only right thing for God to find, for Jesus to find, is people that have been praying to one that can do anything. Mm-hmm. They can do anything. It, it put, put it, a lack of faith is not going to make any sense when the Lord Jesus Christ splits the sky. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to think in that moment like, man, you know what? I pray too big. Yeah. Ain't nobody going to think. Which what we're going to think is he, he can do anything. He, I should have been asking him about everything. You know, so, that, so my encouragement would be is men and women of, of prayer, like great men and women of God, they're not freaks. Uh, they're people that have been felt, that have been fashioned in the presence of God. Yeah. Uh, like they, they ain't nobody that's got like a, a, a shortcut into being mighty in prayer. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody naturally does that. Like that, that's something that happens over time. So give him the time. I listened to Donna Gaines pray the other night on a, nationwide prayer thing that we we're a part of and uh bro if i could have if i could have got under my i was in my car if i could have got under my car tore up the concrete and got i if i could have it was so holy mm-hmm. you know i could I, I would have and you know what that, that that's not because she's got some special part she she's learned how to get me and you, you look at her. I'm looking around the car like, hey, y'all know she knows him. Like, and like, she, like, like she ain't playing around. She, she's talking to her father, you know, and and stuff's happening right now. <laughs> like, so right. things are going on. So that's that, that's good stuff. And you know, there's so many instances in the Bible where you see because someone prayed that God moved. You know, I'm not yeah. saying God wouldn't move if you don't pray, but yeah, it does not hurt to pray. You learn so much as well, but. You know, for instance, I think it's in First King, First Kings when Elijah, Elijah was, I think he was with the, the widowed woman and she was, they were kept on making bread. They only had a certain amount of recipe or ingredients to make bread for like one day, but they kept eating on it for, for days and days. Um, well, the lady's son dies and is, is, is without breath is what the Bible says. So he's dead. And so the lady takes, you know, her son to Elijah and is like, what have you done? This, you know, you're a godly man. What have you done? And Elijah goes up to the upper room in this house and, and cries out to God, God, bring life back into this boy. Bring life back into this boy. And the Lord answers it. And, and the Lord says to Elijah, I heard you. Mm-hmm. Elijah, I heard you and brought this boy back to life. And so I, I use that as an analogy all the time. Like, because Elijah prayed, God right. brought this boy back to life. Right. You know? And so, like, yes, prayer is so important, absolutely so important. So, I, Kyle, I do appreciate you sharing those words. And, dude, it has been phenomenal, man. I, I really I, – this is this has been a, a time that we've been looking forward to for a long time to have you on on this podcast. So, uh, I just want to say thank you because it means the world to me and to, to kind of reminisce on some of those stories <laughs> and memories is, is, is awesome, too. So, I just want to say thank you, and, and hopefully we can, we can have you on again uh, to talk about other things. And, and be I'm, honored to, yeah. Be and, honored I, to love you guys. That's right, and, and I'm hoping that you're that you're holding down Arkansas for the tide up there too. Boy, you know, you know I am. <laughs> you know, I, hey, you know what, Arkansas, they they uh, they are very very pro Alabama. That's good. They they know it's not. And and by the way, sorry for some listeners here, and can't stand Auburn. So. Oh, 
I'm, I'm good with that too, man. A whole new respect now. A whole new respect. <laughs> that's, that's probably because of Gus Malzahn, right? A hundred percent. There's a lot. I mean, it's grown over time, but there was no love for Auburn before. And, and boy, can't stand LSU. So there's a lot of. Hmm. A lot of similarities. I'm, I mean, we get along real well. Good. Real well. That's, that's really good. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, guys, uh, if you want to know some more about the show, obviously you can follow us on social media. Um, send us an email if, if the show's impacted you somehow. Uh, there's more podcasts at gmail.com. And uh, we'll see you guys later. Mm-hmm.